You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. That's right. That is right. We're about to get this motherfucker going. Welcome to the X-Man Podcast. I'm your host, Doc Coyle. I appreciate you listening, sharing, and being here with me. What's going on with me? I'm on a little break. Yes. Battles just finished our headline tour, co-headline tour, excuse me, uh, across the u.s and we have about a week off at home and it's been a little weird time off is is weird you know i think i'm kind of going through i almost had i'd say a bit of miniature depression you know like being depressed but just for like one night and uh i don't know i think i think what's what happened is kind of coming off the road you know for the last six, seven years of my life, being off road, off the road was the norm. And now my life is kind of transitioning to back where being on the road is the norm. And, it, and I, I guess in a sense, this um, transition is a little scary because I remember being a young man and being reliant and being you know, being institutionalized by the beats, you know, of, of that and kind of, you know, and I guess I, I guess I'm a little scared about getting too caught up in that, you know, because it's it's not totally the day to day reality. I don't I don't like my domestic skills to be atrophied in any way. So I don't know it's, it's kind of made me a little concerned. And I think things are are evolving with regard to the popularity of of the band and and with that the way people have been treating myself and other members of the band and for for me that's been a, a weird thing because i've kind of more or less been at the same level of notoriety or fame for you know 10 years 15 years and 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 with that said uh <laughs> very minimal <laughs> But but enough that I could I could go out to a, a, a bar or a show and, and people would come up and say hi. And it was it was, it was really cool. And it's just generally p- people being pretty nice to you. 
but this is kind of it's it's getting different you know we we do we're, like we're doing vip meet and greets and people are crying and they're making us things and uh you know very you know once i think a band gets to a certain level and you're on the radio and you're in all these these different bigger environments you know it, it definitely changes the way people treat you and it's making it a little bit more difficult to just walk around the show or just you know do do certain things so and i don't want it to seem like i'm complaining but it's kind of made me think about you know not not be careful what you ask for but that there are trade-offs with these with these things especially when you choose to go into a profession that comes you know if you're successful in that pr- profession it it comes with the, this other types of um attention you know so it's um i don't know it's something i'm kind of working through and it's kind of it's kind of funny because i've been thinking about the idea of you know back in the day when i would tour it you know the more kind of rock and roll lifestyle i enjoyed and that means going out and getting you know partying after the show and hooking up with girls and kind of just being that person fed into your ego which in a way made you more of a performer, right? Like if I'm on stage, I could do some, you know, lick my guitar or start humping the monitors or something because you're just wrapped up in it. And it's not really like you could never lick the guitar or hump the monitors, but your ego could, you're this persona you built. And I spent so many years of my life deconstructing the persona and finding the person. It's almost difficult to kind of refine that person. Not that I should, but in a weird way, when you're in a big band, people kind of want you to be a character, something larger than yourself. And it's something I'm, I'm struggling with, you know, like how do I kind of do the job well? Because I, I think there's a certain sense of going, you know, to see a band and it's kind of boring or the, you know, the, the, the band, they don't necessarily meet your expectations of, of what you want to be wowed and you want to be presented. So I'm, I guess I'm, I'm trying to kind of find a way to authentically be a person and also do the job of entertainer, which is, which is kind of, you know, I, as something I, I, I do take seriously, you know, I, I think sometimes you get this thing with artists or artists, you know, specifically musicians where they just want to be a musician. And they don't necessarily want to cater to the enter- entertainment side of things or maybe the visual side of things or the showman side of things. And ultimately, it hurts them. It hurts their career because they, they want to do it, but they want to do it on their, on their own terms, which I, I can respect. Like, I, I think there's definitely many ways to to go about, the, about this. There's not one way to do it. Um, but in the world I'm in, I think not... Uh, paying attention to that is just being a little short-sighted and a little lazy and I want to do the best job possible for the situation I'm in so I don't know I'm I guess I've I've just been going through some a lot of different emotions and thoughts because the things that are happening are new and it's expanding and guess what it's it's going to be continuing I just found out we have dates booked through the end of the year and uh yeah this this train is going to keep on Roland, definitely want to give a shout out to uh, from Ashes to New and Diamante who were on the tour. Thank them so much; they were they were really great. And who else? I need, I need to shout out some people. Who I need to shout out? I need to shout out Mike Mowry from Jabberjaw Media. You know, for 
helping push this show forward. I also got a shout out ESP Guitars. I just picked up a new guitar yesterday. If you follow me on social media, you will see my new guitar. Uh, ESP has been great and I'm really excited to play this damn axe. Um, what else? Oh, actually a recommendation. There's a new podcast uh, hosted by Blasco and it's uh, Blasco who is the bass player for Ozzy and he's played with Rob Zombie and all this stuff. And he has another, him and Mike actually have a, have a podcast called Managemental, which is like music industry podcast. But then he just put out like a whole season at one time of a new podcast called A New Level. And it's got a few alumni, people that have been on the X-Men show, like uh, the lawyer, Eric German, and uh, who else? Somebody else is on there. But anyway, I, I just been listening to that and I, I've really been enjoying that. So definitely check out A New Level. It's part of the Jabberjaw podcast family. And um, what else is going on? There's no uh, sponsor this week. You know, you fucking guys, you sons of bitches, you know, trying to keep the lights over here. My kids can't eat, you know, got rats crawling on me. You know, that's what happens. You guys don't sponsor the show. You know, so that's why I've, I've turned in such a poor performance today because I was like, there was no sponsor. No, I'm just kidding. Uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess there wasn't, wasn't a sponsor this week. You know, a lot of people have been reaching out, but sometimes they don't come through, but that's all right. You know, we don't, we don't need to sponsor this week. It's all right. But next week we can have a sponsor. So guys, holla at me. Remember I was, I had too many sponsors. Now I don't have enough. So you can reach me. You know how to get in touch with your boy. Hit me on, on Instagram, hit me on Twitter, Facebook, or drop an email at the X man podcast at gmail.com. And you know how I got to do. I got to shout out this show's other sponsor you know not the band sponsor but just we actually well i guess so technically we do have a sponsor we just don't have a band musical sponsor our sponsor rockabilia.com they are the bomb i wonder if they'll use that as like a a tagline it's like rockabilia.com we are the bomb and they're like what are you from like 1995 and they're like nah man that's now currently we are the bomb and people are like man that's that's kind of corny and Doc probably shouldn't have said that. But anyway, rockabilly.com. You know, you know shit. You, if you listen to the show, you know the deal. They have all the band merch. All the band merch. I, I went over that to the warehouse. I picked me up. Picked me up? I don't think that's proper English, but that's all right. I picked myself up a, uh, a Muse t-shirt. It's white. It fits well. You know, fits my frame. You know, makes my shoulders pop. Bam. Pectorals. Bam, looking good. And then I'm, I'm rocking one of my favorite bands, Muse. So they have a sick Muse shirt. And then you know what else I got there? I got me a sick-ass uh, Aliens shirt. And I, I was supposed to get it for Tommy from the band, but then he couldn't fit it. Uh, so then I kept it, and then it fits me pretty good. So that's what you do. You uh, is I don't know what they call this. It's not a re-gifter. It's like a fake gifter. You give someone a gift, but you hopefully they give it back to you. Uh, boomerang gift. That's what I did. I boomerang gifted that shit. Anyway, head over to rockabilly.com, pick up some stuff, tell them Doc Coyle sent you. We got a Bad Wolves exclusive t-shirt over there. Use the discount code to get 15% off of your order. And that discount code is PC Jabberjaw. Again, that's PC Jabberjaw. Bam. Now let's talk about our guest real quick. It is one of my favorite humans in the world. Her name is Melissa Cross. If you're not familiar with Melissa Cross. She is a world famous vocal teacher and vocal coach. And she became famous uh, a few, you know, I guess say like 10 years ago because she put out a DVD called Zen of Screaming. 
And she ended up training a lot of the heavy metal singers from our scene that, you know, my old band, God forbid, came up with. So Dallas and Byron worked with her, Jesse Leach from Killswitch, uh, Brian Fair from Shadows Fall, um, Randy Bly from Lamb of God. And she also taught me as well, kind of after the fact. And she's just one of these people that just radiates incredible energy. And I just, and she's just amazing to work with and has taught me so much. And definitely someone I've had on my radar as far as wanting to get on the show for quite some time. So even if you're, you're not into, I guess, musical instruction or anything like that, I think this is really fascinating because she is such, just as such a, a unique person. She's a gem. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation. Please check this out. My talk with Melissa Cross. That's right. I get, mm. I get to, I get to have some actual proof of the the quality of the greatest vocal timbre. Oh boy! In the five boroughs. <laughs> me 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> I guess does um does Long Island? That's not a borough, right? That's just like Long Island's Long Island. Long Island. I used to think I needed a passport to get to Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> so, Melissa Cross, welcome to the X Men. I am honored. I know your time is limited, so I, you know, I guess we'll have to just like get into it. No, we can't warm up. We can't. I warmed waste up already. Time. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess you know, people probably don't think of me as a as a vocalist, but uh, I do. <laughs> you know, but um, you know, you taught Byron and Dallas from God Forbid, mm -hmm. and they ended up being in your DVD Zen of Screaming. And you you were actually in the doorway. There's one scene where you actually come into the doorway and say, "Hey." Was that at Ozfest? On the I, bus? It was on the bus, yeah. But at, was it at Ozfest? Oh my God, I, I think so. Because I actually wasn't on that bus. That was Denise Kariki. Okay. That was it probably was Ozfest because she came out for, yeah. for a little bit. But um, yeah. but anyway, so then you, since they were on the DVD, you said, listen, I'll I'll teach you for free since <laughs> you're, it's like a family package, you know, since yes. they were on the DVD. And I was like, I was like, if you say so. Yeah, it's a family package. You know. And, and we are a family. Yeah, I mean, so so that DVD, I guess, is that your modern claim to fame? Is that, that how, how most people know you publicly? I think most people know me because I'm one of the few people that addressed a certain kind of phonation that a lot of people don't want to touch. Um, I know how long it took me to figure it out. So um, I think the DVDs have been extraordinarily successful. I I would never have dreamed. By the way, I bought it for my girlfriend for uh, I think Valentine's one one of like Christmas because she was like, oh, I want that, and I, I I bought it for her. Why did you buy it? I would have sent it because to you. you got to support the support, oh. you know. Okay, well I bought some T-shirts from you, so they yeah, you got to support. You know, <laughs> it's like you know, let's say this: if you're, you know, if your friends are doing something, you know, never feel bad about buying a ticket or a CD or a T-shirt. You know, I agree. I I, I appreciate uh, voting with my dollar. I, I agree. In fact, I even bought a ticket for Bad Wolves for an extra ticket the other night. See? You see, see? that? I have no problem with it, and I appreciate the passes. Thank you. It was a great show. <laughs> oh, thank you. It was an awesome show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, but, um, but yeah, so so you offered that to me, and so we got to do a few few lessons. That's, I guess, how we became friends and became close. I just, you know, you're like my, my spirit animal. I was saying uh, to Liz, I was like, I need, like, 
Melissa Cross, like, like totem, and I'll just pray, and I'll pray to it when I get up in the morning. I and, need a totem too, but who could I? I don't want to use myself. Who's, who's your hero? Hey, Kanye probably has a has a has like a picture of himself and a statue. And wow. he prays to it. <laughs> I don't think I could handle that. Yeah. Uh, my heroes right now are scientists. Okay. They're um, people that deal with acoustics and vocal mechanics, and and of course my heroes are everybody that's stuck in the metal thing all this time. Yeah, so so let's actually go go back a little bit because I don't really know a lot about your your background and, oh, and where boy. where you started. I mean, I know we you have limited time, so we can't you know we we'll have to do the abridged oh well v- version no, okay. of. But you're I, you're from New York? No, I was born in Texas. What part? San Antonio, Texas. No shit. Yes, and I left there when I was 13 years old and went to the Interlochen Arts Academy. What's that? That is a boarding school for music, art, theater, and dance in Northern Michigan. It's a high school, but it's a boarding school. And I knew from the time I was a small child that I was a performer. And I was kind of a spooky chick. Spooky? Words, like, were you like goth before goth? Yes. <laughs> Doing witchcraft, summoning well, summoning demons? Well, I, you know, I was wearing armbands and, you know, anti-war stuff. And, okay. you know, that was, you know, I was very- Hippie, post-hippie? Hippie up. It was hippie. I okay. am 61 years old. So we're talking 1966. Okay. The genuine article, I the, see. I am the genuine thing. So anyway, um, I was always a performer and I wasn't, didn't have a lot of friends at school. How is that possible? You seem very agrarian, you know, was it with the word agrarious? Gregarious. 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 See, yes. I have, word, I, I have word finding problems all the time. I so you probably it. have to find one for me. Listen. Uh, but anyway, um, so I, I wasn't cheerleader. I wasn't, I just wasn't popular. And I was um, very introspective and deep. And then some, I had some trauma going on, you know. Family it, drama? Uh, uh, trauma, I mean? It was, it, well, um, okay, I, I was going to come right out and say it. I was... Um, Wow, this is hard. Okay, I didn't know if I was going to go here today, but okay. So I was raped, okay, when I was young. And so I went sort of sideways because I kept it a secret and I had a lot of internal dialogue, but I was also really artistic. So I was very poetic and uh, I played piano and I I loved to sing. So when the 60s came up and this music was happening, I was in the mirror with a hairbrush doing it. You know, I was doing it, especially with Janis Joplin. Mm-hmm. Janis was my hero. So I realized I wanted to be a singer. But I didn't think it was something you did for a living. It was something that you did because that's what you did. And my parents said, well, if you want to be a singer, you have to learn how to do it properly. So they took me to singing lessons. And of course, it was all opera. So I studied opera. I studied classically. And I continued to study piano. Um, I started piano when I was six. I started ballet when I was six. I mean, I was very... Um, dedicated as a performing artist with all the classical ways of doing things. So I begged them to send me to school and I kept running away from home until they did. And they and said, this, oh, was the, this was you Texas. Begged, this is this, before the, the performing arts school. Yes. Okay. I ran away from home so many times that they said, okay, fuck it. <laughs> Just go. Do kids still run away from home? I feel like that was a very like pre-internet oh. thing. <laughs> well, they, you know, I think because if do. they leave home, there's no internet connection, there's no Wi-Fi at the bus station. You know what? You're absolutely right. I never would have left Wi-Fi. That is such a wow. I never thought about that. Well, there was no Wi-Fi. No, but anyway. Um, so event. I finished Interlochen, 
and I was an, a theater person, you know, um, and uh, I went to acting school in the United Kingdom because I was 16 when I graduated. I graduated a year early and Juilliard wouldn't take me. I was too young. And the best acting schools are in England. Yes. Right. So I went to England and I got in. So you studied like Shakespearean. Shakespeare. Yeah. Shakespeare. And I continued. So you did all the right things. It's like classical p piano, opera, Shakespeare. You have all the, the good. I did all that education. stuff, but I was playing guitar. Yeah. And I was writing songs and I was doing the rock thing, but I didn't think that you made a living. That was my, that was me. That was my life. That wasn't my profession. That was my identity. So I never even considered that music, that kind of music was something you made a living at. It was so mm -hmm. ingrained. Like I really understood counterculture. The sixties yeah. was counterculture. There were them and there was us and us was um, uh, peace, love, understanding, no war, no guns. Like I was so dedicated to that. I was anti-war and the songs that I, listened to were anti-war and this is why i relate to metal because this is why i got into music because metal is an identity it's not a commercial uh commodity well, i say it's it's the only like i don't believe in tribalism but it is the tribe i chose it is the tribe that you are yeah it's well it's, no it i chose well, you <laughs> well to it i you're probably right but but what i'm saying is that it was feeling like I didn't have a place yes. in this realm or this realm where I was like, oh, these are my people. This is my yes. thing. This is how I, where if I would have any identity, it's probably not a racial identity. It's probably not a um, religious identity or, or even a country identity, right? Like, you know, nationalism, it's more like, well, no, the, if I meet a, a, someone who likes Slayer, who's from somewhere else, I feel like we have more in common than That's maybe. your peeps. Exactly. That's your peeps. And so fast forward to the late 90s, I'm at a place that is now Webster. Well, I don't even know what that place is, but it was called The Ritz. And it was a show with Megadeth, Slayer, and I believe it was either The False Prophets or The Bad Brains. Um, but I'm in the balcony and I'm looking down and I'm seeing all these kids moshing and I'm going, what the, what? Oh my God, it's, oh my God, this is so awesome. Look, they all, they know, the, they do, they, they, oh my God, this is, um, I, then I thought, oh shit, I'm too old. I can't do this. Shit. That's so I just, true. first off, well, I was true. really much, I mean, I felt like, I feel like right now, all right. So, I'm, so I've, so you ever listen to Jamie Jossa's podcast? Yeah. At all? Yeah, yeah. So Jamie's the king of the pitch, right? The pitch. <laughs> so I have an idea. And I was like, I, because the question I was, was going to ask was, so you just kind of skipped from the 60s and everyone's a hippie to the 80s and there's mosh pits. But all this time, you didn't, did you, were you a performing artist? Were you oh. a recording artist? Oh or, my God, yes. So what was it? What was it under a band? Was it oh, under your oh, solo? Okay, so let me go back. Okay, so I finished acting school, the old Vic Theater School, which is very hard to get into. And I finished it and... At the end of it, I realized I was a character actress. So at that time, there weren't that many parts that were character for young women. And in England, if you wanted to be in equity in the in the union, basically you had to like work for a theater company that had two cards to give out, provisional cards. And usually they chose ingenues. They chose, you know, pretty skinny girls and handsome men to like carry spears or hold bouquets. And I was the kind of actress that does nurse from Romeo and Juliet or 
uh, Anfisa from Chekhov. Like it's the it's I'm a character actress. I was not an ingenue. So I was like, you know what? I love to play guitar. I love to sing, and I got a standing ovation at school for doing a performance. Right, and it's this is a really funny story. I gotta tell you this. So I sing, like I've been taking voice lessons, and this guy from New York comes. He's got a musical that he's workshopping, and he's using students at the school to workshop this musical. He gives me this song, and I sing it. I go, "It's wonderful to feel." He goes, "No, no, no! Don't sing it like that. Just, just sing it." I go, "I am singing it." He's like, "Okay, well, just don't put that stuff in it." I was like, "What stuff?" He said, try it again. I was like, it's wonderful to feel. And I go, no, it's not like that. No, no, no. just, just, just let the words out. I go, I am letting the words out. <laughs> you didn't know how to not put I English not, on it. I did not know what that sauce hell. on it. So he gave me a Karen Carpenter record. Okay. Now, I don't know if you know who Karen Carpenter is, but a very famous 60s band. And she has this, just like me. They long to be close to you. Very airy voice, right? <laughs> so I imitated it, right? And I did his song the way that that sounded. And I thought for sure I was going to make an absolute fool of myself. And I got this roaring standing ovation. I was like, okay. I, I felt like a dead person. when I was like, corpse, corpse. Like there was no energy. But I just, okay, if this is what I'm supposed to do, this is what I'm supposed to do. So I said, to hell with acting. I'm going to be a rock star, right? So I said, in 10 years, I am going to live in LA, Nashville, and New York, and I'm going to be a superstar, okay? But I got close, but I had a drug problem. Really? Whoops. Okay. Okay, so turns out I'm a heroin addict, but, you know. So you just got caught up in it. Well, that that, that drug it was just perfect for me um, because there was a lot of stuff that was... Um, bothering me that yeah. I wasn't really to, able yeah. to process and and so it was perfect was now <clears throat> now was that reflective of what was going on at the time culture or is, or is that something personally that you were you well found? Both. both because you know drugs were drugs they were around and it was kind of hip and certain people shouldn't do drugs because certain people like me, have an allergy that can't yeah. stop. Did you go into like a program and do the whole eventually? Thing? Eventually, but it was you know when I moved to L.A., I was in the whole punk scene and like oh, so in England, right? I stayed in England for a while after acting school, and that was you know 1977, 78. So this is the Sex Pistols, Nine Nine Nine, the Stranglers. You know, like this is the beginning. I mean, Elvis Costello was just you know this was the beginning of punk right and i was like whoa now i was like sort of acoustic kind of you know hippie dress kind of thing but i was very enamored when i got to la i worked for a record store um and i ran away from like okay so there's this big chunk of thing where i was i came home and they tried to commit me to a, 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 a mental institution i ran away ended up in a mental institution in la like eloped with an orderly, got into a rock band with the orderly, you know, got a job on Hollywood Boulevard at Peaches Records, started the new wave section on Hollywood Boulevard at Peaches Records, met all the punks, like, and we're talking punks, like, these these are not, 
I mean, the punks back then was like the blasters and the plugs and circle jerks and um, dead Kennedys. And like, um, and in fact, Belinda from the Go-Go's used to come in regularly and buy my, you know, import 45s of like punk stuff. Cause I knew all those bands in England. So I had a whole section and I met all these bands. I was in a punk band. So I did the whole punk thing. I also worked for a record mogul. So I booked bands in this club. So I was very, but I was also addicted. Yeah. So, but I managed to keep my crap together, but I became the lead singer of a band in LA and we played in that scene. But then- so this the, is, Are we talking late 70s, early 80s? We're talking early 80s now. Early 80s. No, well, I actually ran away from home to New York to get away from the drugs. <laughs> That's funny, right? So I, I left LA. <laughs> a band member followed me and wanted to marry me, right? So there's all this like personal stuff. What was the name of the, that band? The Limit. The Limit. The Limit. Is it is it out? See, I, see, I always get people. When we have these old bands, are and like, oh, is it out there? Is it on Spotify? Like, I don't know. Is no, it, no, no. It's, it's not on Spotify. Hidden. Okay, so eventually it was picked up by this guy in England called Simon Napier Bell, who managed the Yardbirds and uh, managed Wham. And he put it out, but he took the band off and put on this like top of the pops kind of disco kind of vibe to it. So he just took the vocal off. So it was kind of a disaster. Mm -hmm. But um, eventually, like four years in New York, I became the next big thing. Like I was- As a solo artist. As in a band. The band in New York was called B.B. Wamoto. Say that again? B.B. Wamoto. It's B.B. Wamoto. B.B. Wamoto was like Swahili <laughs> for woman of fire. Because <laughs> you have red hair. I, it's it the is, same hair. It's just. Uh, the hair didn't change. The hair is the same. It's been the same it's, all the time. You have a like some of the best hair, I think, that just exists in life. <laughs> Thank it's you. It's very exciting. <laughs> it wakes me up every morning. <laughs> so anyway, I uh, I did this showcase for... It was Chrysalis, Warner Brothers, and Columbia. They were all there. And um, I bombed. I had a really heavyweight lawyer. I had a heavyweight manager who one of them has passed. And so you the did other a one showcase? Did, yes, it was a label showcase. So what does that mean you bombed? That mean you sang poorly or you yes. didn't bring energy? I was in the middle of a horrific detox, right? I That's was, bad timing. It, it was bad timing and I was impatient because we had been courted by this label for nine months mm -hmm. and they wouldn't get off the pot and they kept throwing money at demos and they wouldn't like make the decision to like, you know, put it out. And I was like, I'm doing the showcase. And my lawyer was like the kind of lawyer that, you know, is that represents every A&R guy in town, right? So they all showed up, including the New York Times, including the New York Times. So I had no voice. I had somehow figured out how to put some neon on the stage that exploded it's, on the first it's, song. It's a good thing I wasn't your manager. I was like, uh, I have some heroin for you. We're gonna we're gonna clean you up real quick. Get you right for this show. Uh, I'm telling you, I we got money to that. make here, young lady. Um, can we get some? Can we get our heroin guy? We got a. I'm just gonna pump her just for the day. Just, just for, for the day. day. We're just gonna be. For the day. We're gonna re. See, so we're gonna. It's detox. We're gonna re detox. We're gonna get you back on track. And on top of that, I had like a steroid shot because I'd lost. My voice, right? So yeah. the steroids made me crazy. I was, it was so horrific. It was horrific, yeah. horrific. And uh, so, what was the fallout from that? Just everything dried up. The New York Times wrote an article in the business section. It was called "A Day in the Life of an A and R Guy," and it was at my showcase. And it said, "Had she paused for breath, or had she mercifully finished 
Quote, yep, she's finished, all right, said Jeff Aldrich, who, by the way, signed Disturbed. Um, like, she's finished, all right. Like, I'm done. And everybody read that, and I was blacklisted, and I ran away. And I ran away, and I stayed in the home of Morgan Walker. Oh, Morgan Walker, the, uh, the publishing guy? Rest in peace. Morgan Walker has passed. Okay, so Morgan Walker. Yeah, we did a deal. God forbid did a deal with him. Oh, I know. I know all about it. Yeah. So that's a whole, that's a very interesting story because. Hey, I still get checks from Bicycle Music. I can't, I can't complain too much. Okay, well, that's good that you get checks from Bicycle Music. Some people didn't get their checks. And that was a very, un, like, I have, like, some very sad mixed feelings about Morgan Walker. We were very close. He went to Interlock in the place that I went to school. Mm -hmm. So we were close friends in school. By the way, can, can I can just say this for the record, that Morgan Walker looked like Ben Franklin. Yeah. <laughs> Rest in peace. Morgan, Rest in peace. Morgan was an idealist and a hippie. Morgan Walker, like, recorded a bunch of, a lot of bands. And yeah, he, I mean, I had sound, no sound, he drove you around, yeah. he fed you, he did all this stuff. And his idea was there was this utopia, this metal utopia, and it was going to be this great empire with publishing royalties and insurance and like, you know, like it was going to be like, the, he had this idea that he was going to build an empire just for musicians. Yeah. And so he signed everybody's publishing and wouldn't let it go when major labels wanted to, wanted to have it. Yeah. So he got really blacklisted, like big time, and he is a sensitive guy. Well, I remember it was, it was us, Candiria, Shadows Fall, Hatebreed, a lot of the... Keep you know. going. Oh, I don't, I'm saying... I, Kill I'm, Switch. Kills, okay, Kills. I mean, big bands. Yeah. We're talking big bands. And so he would not let go of that publishing and the labels, like, blacklisted him. He got accused of pedophilia. And like, I mean, he just, like, completely Jeez. collapsed. So you were living. So you were living with Morgan. Just I was a waitress a on Route Seven, right? Okay. Just like trying to, you know, and I built myself back. I got into recovery. I got sober. Yeah. Okay. So then, what happened was I became a very confessional kind of artist because when you get sober, you get honest. Yeah. And I told a lot of stories with my acoustic guitar, right? So I didn't have that Susie and the Banshees kind of like mystique, you know, the makeup and the leather. I didn't have all that. Stuff. You were stripped down. I was stripped down, acoustic guitar. Hi, I'm Melissa. This I wrote this song about blah, blah, blah. And I got really close then. But I remember the guy from um, Electra. He said, you know, she's got a great voice. She's got some good songs. But she's too much like the girl next door. I was like, you know, every... I was like the yeah. bridesmaid at a million weddings. And then finally, I always had a day job. And I, I hated my day job. Waiting tables? I was a uh, assistant. I mean, I was a... A executive assistant I was a secretary I was a legal secretary before to like music lawyer so I know a lot about music legal stuff yeah uh, but I was also like a secretary to like these sleazy business guys that like you know like chasing some, me around some, some, some madman shit yeah bad stuff like chasing me around the desk and you know just really chasing yes there was a lot of like sexual harassment but I don't know I still am not sure if I was complicit because of my issues, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. That's another story. Yeah. That's anyway, like a whole other podcast. It's a whole right? other podcast going on because yeah. I left the day job because I realized that I'm all about love and I need to love everything that I do in every moment. Even if it's brushing my teeth, I'm not going to the office. I'm going to sing every day if it kills me. Right. So I went and I, um, 
I went in the subway and started singing and almost within a week, somebody discovered me and picked me up and took me to Tommy Mottola and like- so You know what your you problem know. was? You were you were popping before YouTube. So you, you would have been a, you were a viral been a video. YouTube. I would have been a viral video, I swear to God. I swear to God. <laughs> but anyway, um, let, let's, let's fast forward because in 1999, I had the band that I did the music that I was so proud of and I'm still proud of it to this day. It's, it's timeless, it's like, it still works for me. And I wanted to be a mom. Yeah. And hey, I'm getting to be like 40 something, right? And mm -hmm. I always wanted to be a mom. So I said, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the mom thing, right? So I did the mom thing and all of a sudden like performing and I was already teaching because when I went out in the subway, somebody said, I wanna learn how to do that. Teach me how to do that. And I needed the money. Now, what's that? Were you? What I was singing. Talking? Oh, you were singing. I was singing. singing and okay. someone said, will you teach me? And I said, sure, because I needed the money. But well, then, same thing with me. Though. I started teaching guitar because people asked me, not because I was trying to be a teacher. But I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it just as much as performing because I thought, wow, I know a lot about this. Yeah. I could, I could do this. So all your vocal stuff, is this stuff that you put together from your classical training yeah. like that you you're basic basing on that and then in addition to stuff you had learned on along the way exactly or are you just teaching your original stuff you learned no i there's stuff i've learned along the way yeah because first of all as a performer you learn a lot more than you learn in a classroom yeah however i am i have a lot of you know i pride myself in integrity and i do not want to teach something that would do any harm mm -hmm. so i studied my butt off on this because like once I got you see what happened to me when I was singing at CBGB I had the limit played I mean Bibi Wamoto played CBGB's and I was screaming right but it wasn't the kind of screaming that that's happening now More but like I punk was screaming kind of style yeah, or, punk yeah. yeah but I was like Shut up, so is that band out there where because where, I want to know <laughs> listen I want to know it all I want to know where the Melissa Cross solo albums are buried it's like with uh, <laughs> They're in my garage somewhere. Jimmy Hoffa's uh, <laughs> next to his skull somewhere. It's I have some I have some. It's it's uh okay. maybe I will put but it. But by out. the way, this but this um this is what I was talking before about the pitch, the Jamie Josh the pitch. Yeah, yeah. Is that I was uh, I was thinking, I was like, I want to do a record with Melissa Cross oh, singing. That would be I would love to do that. You know. I wanna you know, because if like if it's not out there. I want to be a part of it. Help, help. You know, I would love to do music with you. I would love to do that. And you know, people have asked me like, "Why don't you do this?" And I was like, "Because I don't have anything to wear." <laughs> you don't have anything to wear. I have nothing to wear. <laughs> I don't want to hear these d darned excuses. How dare you? So, so anyway, if I brought you some music, would you would you think about it? Yeah, you you do some changes. I'll write a song right off the bat. Okay. I All would right. love that. All right, I'm hold. The thing is, and now that I put it on wax, now I have to follow through. Uh, you know, I would so love that. That kind of makes my day because I love doing that. I mean, I help other people do demos and stuff. Like I, well, I just hear. Like, listen, I getting to to train with you and just see how you just have this. Like I said, just before you did before, how you can just mimic someone or show this mm -hmm. thing and just just the the control because you know it's one thing to be able to teach it, but then to be able to just do it. I'm like. I want some some just 
off the top queen nine <laughs> octaves <laughs> i don't have nine octaves nobody does but listen i'm just throwing words out there that don't make sense i'm just it's called hyperbole trying to keep up okay i'm from, I'm from texas i should know that <laughs> um but i wanted to tell you that when i was doing the bb wamoto thing i got injured and i was on vocal rest and during vocal rest i started getting into vocal science because I wanted to heal myself because I didn't want surgery. So I learned a lot about, like the most that I learned, I learned the most from theater school, from acting school, from the Shakespeare stuff. Because really what I'm teaching is a classical version of speaking. It's not classical singing, it's classically affected spoken word. Okay. So I, somehow I put those two together, like I, I got it, like the, the lights went off. And I realized that good technique is not something you throw out the window to sound real. There is a correlation between speaking, like I can speak like this, or I can speak like this, or I can, or I can speak like this above the pencil. Yeah. And I can sing above the pencil too, but I'm not going. Do you want to explain what above the pencil means? Oh, yeah. to the... Okay, well, that's okay. So above the pencil is a head trip. Just yeah. like golfers have a swing thought, above the pencil is a head trip. And it is a head trip that is um, epitomized, if that's a word, by exercises where you feel resonance in your face. Mm -hmm. So if you go like that, you feel your ears buzzing, you feel your face buzzing. And when you pretend that you feel that, not actually feel that and not make that sound, but just pretend, like you're pretending you're a fireman when you're four years old. You pretend that you feel that your body does a advantageous thing for singing. It lowers your larynx, it makes more space for resonance. And you've kind of, every time you hit the E vowel, it buzzes your skull. Yeah. And you, you've got like a resonant voice. This is a resonant voice. This is not a resonant voice. So that's the this idea is a resonant of voice. sounding, the idea of a voice being like nasal is like the non-resonant Okay, so it depends. They say nasals. Sometimes good. Okay, well, no, because nasals like well, some a, people, one of those words. Some people are like, ah, nasal is yeah. like this, and nasal is bad because yeah. nasal is making my larynx so high that there's no space in my throat, but it has nothing to do with my nose. <laughs> okay, so it's something, it's very complicated. Can I, can I kind of ask a question? This is like a theory of mine. Yes. About, because you talk about the. The like you'll you'll say uh, sing as you speak, speak as you sing. Right? I don't say that. You don't say that. Well, didn't you say something similar to that? Mm, I said. Well, some people say that, but I say if you speak bad, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, or that it's a, it's the same it's technique. The, I say be real. Be real. I say like try to phrase your lyrics and try to emote your lyrics as if you were speaking yes but not the sound in, in, unless you have a great speaking voice yes it's not like do speaking sound it's like be real that's what i mean yeah it's like you know don't sing a song like this but sing a song like that you know like yeah <laughs> i well well the reason why i i bring that up is the idea of um you know i think it's interesting you have this this acting background mm -hmm. and, and theater background because I notice uh, people who are great impressionists, yes, right from like a, like comedically, you mm -hmm. know, or, or actors. Usually, nine times out of ten, they're also really good singers. Like um, like Eddie Murphy is a good singer, for example, mm -hmm. but he's mm -hmm. a great impressionist. Like, mm -hmm. and they can do certain. And it's almost the same kind of idea of hearing a tone and then being able to match it, or like a, a great singer 
who's able to do covers and they can kind of match different. Oh, I can sound like Chris Cornell. I can mm-hmm. sound like, mm-hmm. you know, this, this person. It is a neural connection. Yeah. It's definitely a neural connection. And some people have easier times with singing than others. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. I do like chocolates. Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. You don't have to be born to do it, but it's easier for some to learn because of that neural connection. And those neural connections are made when you're really small, when you're a baby. So, you know, if your parents are playing music in the house, you're much more likely, you know what I mean? Okay, so I, I have to uh, ask, so on the next man, we always got to get a little racial on here because I love it. You know what I'm saying? I talk some black shit. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. No, because there are still, okay. Now, respect, respect, respect. Now, I'm, I'm, this, is a, this is a question, <laughs> and you don't have to answer controversially either, but this idea, like, or maybe it's a stereotype that, like, black people can just sing. Okay. Is that, is, like... Now, I don't know if you go on, if you on record say anything. <laughs> like, let me see. Okay, let me see. Okay. There is a physiology about the Afro- African-American body yeah. that there is a register break that's not always there between the head voice and the chest voice. That is physiologically, I've noticed that as a teacher. Okay, so what does that mean? It kinda, means kinda, that kinda, you kinda... go from your lower notes to your higher notes without that crack. Oh, so it's like um, it's, it's a smoothness it's or a smoothness. A, of it's transition. A, it's a transitional smoothness. So it's, it's called dampening. Dampening. It's like it's a it's like a sustained pedal. Yeah. From the or know. or this or this idea that you can and people say this you know that you know like I remember I was, I was on tour with uh, the the guy from from Nemec. He's like he's like when I hear you and your brother sing, he's like you sound black. <laughs> 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 or like the idea that that there is a tone you know to you know that d- different. You know your background or genetically that there's like people different people from different parts of the world different backgrounds have different tones that's they, kind of yeah, fascinating that, that is to true me. that is you true know. there is some physiology yeah but that's not to say that every black person can sing oh no no but you know just you know. like not all black people have good rhythm yeah listen guys <laughs> listen some of we, them are pretty we've seen obama yeah. dance a little stiff huh yeah listen michelle i'm not that great at yeah. dancing 
I'm trying to get it down. He actually can sing. Did you hear him do Amazing Grace? Who? Obama. Oh, yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's got it. He's got it, because he went to church. Oh, it's church, it's church. Churches, a lot of people that go to church when they're kids, they can sing. Yeah. Because Fine. they understand letting go of, of a spirit. Yeah, maybe it's not as, as maybe it's, it, maybe sometimes it's difficult to extrapolate the culture from the, the genetic oh, background, right? Sure. So, so maybe it is just that, you know, you think of the American, the distinctly American histori history of, of slavery, of Jim Crow, of blues, of, you know, this slave music and, and all that pain and yeah. how that filtered into and how to, and what was the, the kind of inflection point in that was religion and church and that. Yes, but that's, that, now you've got, you know, salvation, jazz, blues, R&B, yeah. rap. I yeah. mean, that's all like, on that's genetic. Yeah. But it's all, it's cultural. It's also physiological. It's genetic. Yeah. But it's cool. Yeah. It's cool. It's, it's, it is, I think it's all for sharing. You know, it's all like, it doesn't matter who owned it. It's, let's just, let's just do it. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't have any objection to white rap. No, no, it's, <laughs> I, no, but it's, I just think it's fascinating because you'll have, then you'll have these, these people, whether it's, um, Amy Winehouse, yes, or um, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, yes, or what's the guy I did? Never gonna give you. <laughs> like, oh, oh, uh, 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 Rick, Ash, Rick, Ash, Rick, Rick, Rick Astley. Yeah, Rick Astley. So Rick, you know this idea of Ashford the Ashford and Simpson. But yeah. part of the reason why those people seem to be these phenoms is that if you weren't looking, if your eyes were closed, you would think that they were black. Like they have this. I thought Astley was. No, he's no. No, he's, oh. he's the whole funny thing. He's got hair like you, and he's this like six foot two, pasty white dude who has this, and he sounds like Billy Ocean. And <clears throat> I it's did just... not know that. I swear. Oh my god. No, but there's this thing of like, oh, they have that that timbre and yeah. that, that richness and that soul, and it's yeah, kind of like Joss kind of Stone sounds like yeah. oh, like yeah. a black girl. Yeah, it's insane. Right? So you know, yeah, I get it. It's yeah. all it's all okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm listening. I'm 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 about it. About it. You know, I just you know the, the it's just interesting how we the correlation or maybe a lack of correlation between when we hear something and then the visual you know like how we have to kind of attach some visual that. yeah we do to that. it you but know the, the definition of creativity is taking two or more things that you already know and making something different yeah that's the Every, essence of creativity. everything is a remix everything is a remix. you ever see that video everything no. is a remix no, it's a, there's that's a cool there's a fantastic video <laughs> true. on the interwebs uh, called Every, and, and it's a, a basically um a video essay uh -huh. about kind of deflating the idea of originality that mm -hmm. that that essentially what basically what you're saying that all new ideas are two things that have already existed and put together or multiple things put together because uh, nothing exists out of a vacuum. Everything comes from something. Yes. So, so, so the idea of originality, every things that we think are original, we just actually may not know the source material or the influence. But if you go down the rabbit hole, you will see, oh, this thing you thought was the most unique thing in the world. No, you just didn't know that that they were influenced by this guy in their town or this rare record or this you know, Italian film that you, that came out in 1920 or something. So, you know, uh, I highly recommend everyone watch the video. Everything is a remix. It does a better job of explaining itself than I just did. Well, but. God bless the World Wide Web. Yes, there's, there's a <laughs> there lot. There was of something new, by the way. You know, the internet. Yeah. The internet was something new. Like, remember, like, we only had answer machines that were, like, cassette tapes that... <laughs> 
that you could put in your pocket and save for blackmail. <laughs> so, so, so moving forward a little bit with you teaching and stuff, when does the screaming technique start being developed and the and connectively how do you start kind of hooking up with all these metal bands okay within that so morgan walker is recording these bands on in um rock house road in wilton and he calls me and says i can't get these kids through a session without coughing blood jesus can you help and i said well i'll try so he brings who I can't even remember who it was. My second person that he brought was Jesse Leach. Wow. Right? The third person that was supposed to come that never did was Josta. But by, by the way, was, <laughs> was was this Jesse when he was initially having problems? No. When he quit the, this is he... Jesse before Killswitch was even a, oh. a sign. Oh, wow, wow. This okay. is way before they were. Oh, so... This is when they're making demos in wow. Wilton. So... This first guy, he he's it's not coalesce, it's I can't it's not coalesce. Converge. Cave in. Dismay. 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 That was the name of it. Dismay. Wow. Why do I not know that band? Dismay. Okay, so this band just this guy from Dismay, he starts and he screams and I go, uh okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I'll try. Yeah. Because I didn't want to be embarrassed and say no for an answer. So what I did was I said, okay, I'm gonna take some time with this. I took a week, I imitated it, and I figured out how to do it without hurting myself. <laughs> Went to the doctor's office, put the camera down my throat, figured out what I was doing, and figured out exercises to teach. I can see why your scientists are your uh, heroes. Because yes. you basically performed the scientific methods. I've already and, went into and science. You reverse engineered. I reverse engineered it. Yeah. So basically I found a way to make that sound without the uh, the emotional impetus. Yeah. Okay. So I made the actual clinical noise, a sound effect with my vocal folds, which sounded like. So is this, is that the same skill set that allows you to, is this like the imitation skill set of like, I hear something and then I can translate that. Is that part, part of it? That's yeah, that's part of it. But then I had to translate it into something that's usable. Yeah on stage because I had to figure out how to do it quietly and then augment it with support yeah with with like breath pressure and like to equalize it and, and by the way learn I, about sound I was talking over you a little bit when you were doing do that voice again that little noise and that's the kind of core of it that's one phonation because I okay. found out there's there's different there's different kinds of screams. It's yeah. just, there's that one too. <laughs> <laughs> and there's woof, there's that one too. What's Those are all that, three different ones. What's like, the one that Byron does you said that I you're like you could uh, do that. That one. That, uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's called false chord. That's the ventricular folds. Yeah. Okay. Right. And that that you need a certain amount of um auxiliary diaphragmatic mechanics to make it so that it's not so abrupt. So you don't but Byron never got hurt no. because Byron's built like a brick shit house. Right? Yeah. Oops, I said the bad word. You can curse on here. Okay. <laughs> There's no. Oh yeah, it's the world wide web. There's no rules. <laughs> it's the internet. You develop this technique, and then what happens next? So then, you know how, how, what a family the metal thing is. Yeah. It still is. So 
Jesse, oh, actually it was Jamie. He's the one that spread the word and he never even showed up for his lesson. And I have to thank him personally one of these days because he told everybody he knew he was going to come and learn this, but, but he never showed up. <laughs> can I can I give a, just a little opinion about his? It always seemed like he had a really good technique because he, he always yelled with a pitch which sounded to me like it was there was, was a doing couple something of right. Year, I'm telling you, there was a couple of years where Jamie couldn't order dinner. Oh, really? Okay. I th- I remember it clearly because I remember Headbangers Ball, and I remember this like, really? <laughs> but that was you know that was a short lived thing because he developed like scar tissue that you know he didn't really need, he figured it out. Okay, yeah. he didn't want to sing melodically. That he, wasn't he his eventually thing. did though. Yes, but. It, well, you know what? God bless him. He figured it out. He's a smart But he dude. never went to you to, never, to sing melodically? Never. Wow. He just did the greatest advertising ever because he told so-and-so and so-and-so told. So then came Brian, and then it was uh, the Rev. The yeah. Rev. Our manager. Yes, your ex-manager, ex- right? Ex- X-Man alumni. He was on here. Oh, cool. I love that guy. You should listen to that the episode. Hamburger Man. It's a good one, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how he doesn't I- have the diabetes. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, diabetes. <laughs> the diabetes. <laughs> I love that guy. Anyway, so he brought all his clients because Morgan was tied up with him too. Yeah. So um, that's how it happened. Everybody told everybody. And then I had too many people. Then I realized I needed to do a service and I need to make a film so I could hand this film out because there were too many people that were coughing blood. Yeah. So I made it a service kind of video. And I was I did not mean to be well known for it. It just became big. Yeah. Like it's, you know, more than gold. Gold, like like half a million DVDs? Well, I don't know how the DVD things works, but oh, it's yeah, sold. Oh, yeah, you don't have to sell, as, you don't have to sell, yeah, you sell because, less to be gold. Yeah, yeah, but I don't even know what gold is, but I've sold over 200,000 copies of it. Holy shit. So you're the, you're the queen of Scream. That's what they say. I didn't make that up. But. <laughs> you are, well, the thing that's interesting is I trained with you, but we never worked on screaming, really. We only worked on, on we worked singing. We worked on singing because yeah. you wanted to sing. Yeah, I'm still working on it. But I could teach you how to scream. Yeah. But you sing really well, but you're a perfectionist. So you 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 are better than you think you are. Yeah, well, I, it's, it's, I think I keep getting better. And the more I work on it, the better I get. I'm just... As a renaissance man or, or quasi or wannabe renaissance man, you realize you can't do everything. All Like, I'd rather be pretty good at 50 things than mm-hmm. amazing at two things, mm-hmm. if that makes well, sense. Well, you could be amazing at a lot of things, too. Well, you, you can't. Know, I mean, I'm, 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 look at know. Kevin Bacon. He's a great singer, great yeah. songwriter. No one takes his music that seriously because he's such a great actor. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. But well, you, you can be. You, no, no, you, you're you, you, good. You're good. Well, I, 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 I'd say this. I've never put the focus on it to be like a quote unquote lead vocalist or to be that person, even though I know I probably could. Yeah, you don't have the lead singer disease anyway. No, no, no. It's a disease. (laughs) Well, well, no, I think in, 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 in many ways, I think a lot of people become singers because they have something to say. Mm -hmm. And I, the things I have to say, I get out in a lot of other ways, whether Mm -hmm. that's writing, whether it's this show, Mm -hmm. um, Oftentimes, I don't need to express myself poetically mm-hmm. or like, all right, I have this emotion and I need to get it out via song. Yeah. You know, the, I don't necessarily have that impulse, but now I'm kind of moving to a different phase where I kind of want to see if I can do 
this when I say singer songwriter, I mean compose a piece of music with lyrics and melodies and then present it. Because up till now, I've just done, we're done instrumental and then hand it off. But I want to challenge myself to see if I can do the full thing. I've always been impressed with like when I first heard God forbid, there was this brand new thing that I heard that you and um, Dallas used to do. You used to do these harmony like Guitars. instrumental thing, right? Yeah. And it was amazing to me. It was like classical music. It was on that level. It was very complex. It was like super complicated, like rhythmically and tonally. And it was pure and it blew my mind. And I thought, this is so brand new. This is so brand new. And I always had, it had a very odd structure, but that was what was good about well, it. Well, because we didn't have any background in um, theory. So but, everything was was based on our ear. Or a lot of times this is, and this is the thing about playing in a band with your brother, is a lot, so, so much stuff happened in the room. Exactly. So there's like, so there's a song on Constitution of Treason called Divinity. Yes. Right? And there's this, uh, the bridge in the song has this really, really cool chord progression where me and my brother are doing like octave chords. Yes. And we're doing, he's going left, I'm going right. And it, we never sat down and worked it out. We just started playing that and it just sounded cool. And I had, and I never even knew what he was playing until he left the band and I had to transcribe what was going on. <laughs> and you see like, and but the, you but, see what genius it is. Well, but it, but it is this intuitive thing where something happens and then you it's just it's just a magical moment and you're like that's great that's great art to me yeah and you just well yeah and it's a it's a kind of um and that's the idea of chemistry yeah right? like chemistry is very you know like most of my other band vegas nerve the first time we ever got in a room we just literally started playing yeah like dudes just started hitting the corporate and i started doing a thing and singer started singing the guys and then all of a sudden you're like oh this is and it was in five seconds it was there was no kind of distinction that and then when that happens People want, oh, why, do, why don't you just like start the, you know, get new players in, in Los Angeles? I'm like, because it, you can't, chemistry you can't buy. Exactly. You know, it's just, it's, that's the band. Exactly. Those five guys are that band. The same thing with God Forbid, it's like those five guys were the band. You know? I, I kind of depend on you to stay in that place because you say, you know, you want to like do a song from beginning to, to end. And I just like, that's, you know, we've heard that before. <laughs> no, no, it's, no, but not from... I don't want you to go like all conventional on me because it's, well, it's not about a lot of these things you have to understand are are also a function of necessity, right? The fact that when I'm doing Vegas Nerve and I'm working on material and the, the rest of the guys are across the country, yes. the option to just get in a room and jam on stuff isn't really there. So then, or if it's like, hey, I get a call from Mike Gitter, hey, we need a song. Of, do you want to write a song for Body Count? I have to. Go in my toolbox and figure out how to do that on my own. Did and you write a song for Body Count? Yeah, I wrote on the last oh, record. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, was it? Um, this is why am I forgetting the damn name of the song? But this is why we ride. Yeah. Anyway, um, but I had, but being able to be self sufficient, not saying that's my favorite thing to do because I love the collaborative experience. I I miss getting in a room and just jamming and let, yeah. let, let letting things yeah. happen. But it's good to develop that skill set in case it's necessary it's more of just like a challenge like can i do this yes you know and i remember when you first started working with tommy i realized that tommy was going that sort of radio place yeah and that he he was lucky to have you like wouldn't like you know compromise it too much well but that didn't but the thing is it didn't work the first time the, the clashes were too too much which is why that project 
didn't well continue. that's exactly right but i'm glad you didn't give up because it's a good combination the two of you yeah well it's well, you know we're really going to see what bad wolves on the next record um because i joined after most of the stuff was done and i contributed a little bit but the be truth I'm, I'm so in awe of the work that they did mm -hmm. that i was my thing was like i don't want to you know throw anything in the pot that's going to ruin what's already happening. I have to interject myself in a way that's not obtrusive to the thing that they already figured out, you know, cool, and that's, but now you yes. can add that, that yes. special doc thing. I know, but a lot of musicians, especially people who've been the main guy of another band. Yes. They come with that ego of like, I'm this guy, so I should be doing this. And it's like, I don't, I'm not bringing any of that. Cause that, when you get too many like big heads in the room. This is why like the Beatles don't last and the Eagles don't last. That's like right. you get all these, you get three or four geniuses, not that I'm a genius, but when you get these heavyweights, they eventually, they all want to go solo because they're so good yes. that it's difficult for them all to kind of occupy the well, same space. You got to keep Vegas nerve then. No, no, I'm, 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 not, I'm not stopping anything. That's cool. what I say. I never stop anything good. or any, even God forbid, I would do if it, the opportunity arose or I something came, came up. I, I never throw anything out the door. Like Are you me, guys going to come back? Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's, I don't think there's much of a demand to be truthful, to be truthful. You know, oh, we're man. not getting calls. No one's, you know, um, but, which, but, but that's fine too. You know, I'd be there. Well, you know, who knows? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, but I think things you don't want to, you know, sometimes not dwelling on something allows it to kind of exist in a way that's mm -hmm. better than being desperate of like, the main mm. thing I don't want to do is be in the mindset of rekindling mm -hmm. something that was happening. Let's be about today. Yeah, exactly. Even if you're, if I'm rekindling with those guys and doing something like, I would, let's, you know, I literally, I have a song I wrote for Josta that he didn't use. And I'm like, this could be like, this probably should be a God forbid song, you huh. know? And, and I was like, but I, I would be down just like, hey guys, you want to record like one song and just put it out or something? Like, I, I'm totally cool with whatever, but hey, I never- you and me do it. <laughs> all right, all right. No, no, but, but what I'm saying is that I don't, I don't get in the, the kind of mental state of shutting off doors. I'm all about opening doors and creating opportunities, not closing things off. So, so yeah. So right, right now it just happened to me as something that is very all encompassing. And it's just, we're on a roller coaster ride and we just got to keep taking it until it stops, you know, it's hopefully it doesn't ride, stop. Yeah. We'll see what happens, we'll see yeah. what happens. But enough about me, see you did that thing where you started interviewing me. I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, all right, well, um, you know, I think that's, you know. I hate to go, but my kid's gonna No, graduate. I know, I know, it is, it, is, it is perfectly fine. Listen, I think we got the general idea of the story and you know, maybe we'll have to bring you back on and, and, and talk again when I can get you. Hey, apparently we're, we're gonna work on some music, so now we, we'll, we'll be in each other's midst that at some point. That would be point. awesome. Yes. That would be so awesome. That Melissa, makes my day. I love you. Where can people find the DVD? Okay, so here's the news, right? Uh, the DVD at present is at melissacross.com, but melissacross.com by the fall will be a subscription website that you can find out everything you need to know about speaking, singing, or screaming. Right on. It will be a community. You will get pay one price, get everything that like up to date, like new content all the time, new webinars, archived, guest artists. It's gonna be awesome. And it's called See the Sound because I got something up my sleeve that nobody's ever done before. You know how I used to tell you like see the vowels across the venue, like you go, mm. ma, and you see ahs go, ah, 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 ah. Well, I have an animator that has animated the warm up. So abstract animation, Zs, yayas, it's all in artistic, what, beautiful. 
multicolor form. Well, that's amazing because one thing about you, my probably my favorite thing and what makes you such a great teacher is you're able to take something internal that we can't see and then you figure out ways of using metaphor mm -hmm. and expressive language mm -hmm. to make us visualize it. So this is, I'm really looking forward to this. This is the visual, it. this is it. This is it, it's pretty awesome. It's, uh, it's pretty awesome. Right on. Well, Melissa, I love you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Doc. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Well, see, guys, I'm going to get emotional here. All right, we got we to stop. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. How many times have you told me that things will get better, that things will be better someday? come together and things will be better things will be better
So that was a track entitled Never Enough from a band called Cosm. That's C-O-S-M. And it's actually Ravi and Aiden from my other band, Vegas Nerve. It's a new project they've been working on for quite some time. And they just put that out. And the album is called Omnition. And I think you can get that, you know, on pretty much any any digital format and um those guys are so so talented and i actually just got to see them i saw aiden and ravi in lancaster and then i saw mike and mo when i was in new york love all those guys hopefully we can work on something at some point i'm just so damn busy man no time for nothing but yeah i just wanted to uh show you guys that because they they good at music and that record is really cool so i hope you enjoyed that and i hope you enjoyed my conversation with melissa she is the best and i think that's pretty obvious from hearing the conversation anyway i think that pretty much wraps it up for me i'll be heading out on tour this week um bad wolves is opening a tour what we call sheds or amphitheaters and that's where there are seats in the front and then the open areas in the back and it's outdoors. It's a whole thing. It's a whole summer rock and roll thing. But uh, we'll be going out the tour. It's nothing more playing above us. And then Breaking Benjamin and Five Finger Death Punch flip-flopping, I believe, as headliners. And I've done you know OzFest and Mayhem Festival at those venues, but I was always on the side stage. So this will be the first time I'll be doing a tour like this where I'm on the main stage. You know what I'm saying, baby? That call on the main stage, you know? <laughs> well, anyway, I had a donut, guys, and some extra coffee. So I'm a, little, I'm a little pumped up, you know? It's all right. That's how you get. Get a little donut in you. You know, you know what's fucked up, too, is I probably have some cavities. And that's not good. And I'm going to be on the road for, like, seven weeks so it'll probably be a while before i get to my my teeth probably checked out so you know what i might as well just go full bore and just eat more snacks while i'm on the road but you know what quizzically i've actually been getting myself in pretty good shape while, while i'm home for, for whatever reason i can get in better shape at home than when i'm on the road i haven't figured that out yet but you know if you guys want to send me workout tips if you want to send me um 
donut places to get good donuts. I was lucky I got to go. I was in Denver, so I got some voodoo donuts, which was the bomb. And uh, you know, because rockabilly.com is the bomb. And you know, just l- let me know what's going on, guys. You know, I'm gonna be in Seattle for a day. I might try and get some interviews from up there. Maybe Matt Wicklin, who was in God Forbid. Maybe Jeff Loomis from Nevermore. I don't know. I'm just, see, I'm just throwing shit out there that I haven't even solidified yet. So I'll just put that in the universe. I just uh, spoke with Dave Davidson from Revocation. Have an episode come out with him soon. I will be speaking with Al Levy, formerly of Doth this week, currently of Unstoppable Recording Machine. So we have a lot going on. And the more I'm on the road, the, you know, the shit's just going to keep popping up. This party don't stop. Anyway, guys, I love you very much. I will see you soon. Please, I hope to see you on that tour. BadWolvesNation.com for tickets. And uh, peace out, fool. Mamba out. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effie Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.